Yeah, yeah, I'll pray. You think I'm afraid to pray? All right, join hands. I'm not going to join hands because I don't like joining hands. All right, it's cold season. Dear God, how you doing? Don't look at me, Peter, please. God, our Father, we ask that you bless these people and this stuff and all this place with all your things and all your blessings. In uh, Jesus' glorious name, amen. You got a problem with me, Tommy? (laughs) Oh, good morning. All right, let's get our Bibles out. We're going to go to uh, the book of Luke. The book of Luke. We are in the uh, summer of Sabbath series. Uh, We're starting a brand new series today called Prayer Full. And the summer of Sabbath, if you haven't been a part of this yet, is just where we are just as a church saying, you know what, what if we took back the Christian Sabbath, Sundays? What if we kind of pushed back from culture and we set aside one day and we said yes to rest? Say yes to rest. That's what the summer of Sabbath is all about. Let's say that together. Say yes to rest. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you need a nap. Yeah, it's so... Not now, though. Not now. After church. You can, not now. But saying yes to rest is all about saying yes to faith, to family, and to friends. Uh, go back, listen to the very first series of the summer, and you'll you kind of get caught up on this. It's about saying yes to, to faith, saying yes to the house of God, being with God's people. Like, I'm going to be in God's house. I'm going to worship with them. We're going to sing together. We're going to pray together. We're going to listen to God's word together, and then I'm going to say yes to my family on a Sunday. I'm going to push everything else aside, shut my email down, and and, and focus on them, maybe eat with them, hang out with them, and maybe even say yes to to friends, maybe having some friends over or going out somewhere with friends and hanging out with friends. What if we did that? What if one day out of the week we said we're going to rest, and we pushed back from what culture tells us not to do? I believe it's biblical, and I believe it's what God desires for us so that we can be well-rested, and do what he's called us to do. So that's what this Summer of Sabbath is about. So we're in this new series called Prayer Full. This series, by the way, is based off a book that I read called With Christ in the School of Prayer. It's written by a guy named Andrew Murray. I picked this up on a book table. It was written in 1885, over 100 years ago. And it's really a prayer devotional. So what's really cool is during this series, we are going to go through this book as a church, church church-wide. If you go to our website, corechurch.com, there is a downloadable PDF of that book, and it's a daily devotion. There's 31 different devotions that go with it. And all of the messages that I'm preaching that we'll preach during the series are birthed out of that book. This book has been really pivotal in my prayer life personally, and because it was so pivotal in my life, I wanted to bring it to you because I think it'll be a good guide for you to help you as you begin to develop your prayer life. So we're going to be in Luke's gospel. Um, if you are new to the Bible, Luke was, uh, came after the disciples, and he was a follower of Jesus after his resurrection, and he wrote the account of Jesus' life in detail, and we have that here in Luke's Gospel chapter 11. So will you stand with me as we give honor to God's word today? If you don't have a Bible, we give them away for free. Um, after the service, I will be in the uh, next step room. I would love to meet you. By the way, if you brought somebody with you today, or if you're new, please come back there. I want to say hi to you. I want to meet you. Uh, if you have any questions about what I talk about today, as we talk about Jesus, you might be new to church and you just don't want to ask anybody around you because you don't want to feel weird or dumb or stupid. Come back there. Come talk to me. I would love to answer any questions 
that you have and clarify anything we talk about. I, I read out of the New Living Translation. So if you have a mobile Bible, um, if you don't go to courtchurch.com, you get one there. I read out of the New Living Translation. Now, when I read this, those of you who have been in church your whole life, you're going to be like a little weirded out because this is not how you've heard it. I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer, if you've been in church for your, your whole life or any amount of time, it goes like this. Say it with me. Our Father. On and on and on and on and on, okay? It, this is not going to sound like that. Because uh, that's the King James Version. This is a different version. Jesus, by the way, didn't read out of the King James. So just in case you're wondering. <laughs> that's the one that Jesus prayed. That's the way he prayed. He prayed in Old English. I realize he was a Jewish man, but he prayed in English. <laughs> Thank you, Grandma. Okay. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said this is how you should pray. And it's going to sound different. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this prayer, for this um, gift that you've given to us in Scripture. And I ask that today in this moment that you would speak to us. And what I'd like for us to do as a church, if you're a follower of Jesus, is to pray for those around you and pray then for yourself that you would be open to what God wants. Pray for me. I I need your prayers that I I would say what God wants us to hear today as we try to learn a little bit more about how to pray. In Jesus' name, if you're ready, give me a big amen. amen. You may be seated. Well, none of us like to ever admit that we're incompetent at something. It's just embarrassing to admit that you don't know how to do something or work something or how something functions, uh, like the remote control. Nobody likes to admit that you don't know how to work the remote control. Let's just be honest. None of us really know how to work that thing, okay? At best, you know four buttons, right? The red one, the one that says menu, and the one that says ch and vol. Beyond that, we are clueless. We have no idea what we're doing. I actually counted the number of buttons on the remote for the cable company. Do you have any idea there are 56 buttons on that remote? If you know what every one of those buttons does, You need to repent, and you need a life, okay? None of us know how those buttons work, and it's even worse when you go over to somebody else's house and you try to use their remote. That's awful. They're like, hey, the remote's on the couch. Watch whatever you want, and you're like, ha, 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 ha. You feel like a four-year-old, and they come in, you're like sucking on their mouth. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know. The worst thing is when somebody takes the remote from you. Oh, especially as a man, that is very, very, very degrading to have that happen to you in any such way. I mean, it's just so frustrating. Or, or if you stay with somebody uh, and, and they leave and they're like, we left you instructions. Have you ever had somebody leave you instructions on how to operate their remote? And you look down, there's not just seven pages of instructions, but there's seven remotes that go with it. 
And it says like, grab the silver remote, push the red button, then get the small remote that has the green button, push star one, two, one, two menu. Please make sure you're doing this while you have the Panasonic remote in your hand pointed northeast. (laughs) What? I love it when grandma comes to town and (laughs) gets a hold of your remote. You're like, it's the red button, grandma. Why? I'm pushing it. I'm pushing it. No, you're pushing the blue button. No, I'm not. I'm pushing the red button. You're pushing Oh, never mind. We'll just watch snow. We're not going to watch anything. It's just frustrating. It's frustrating to feel incompetent or to feel like you just are on the outs. Everybody else knows and you don't know. I think this is how most of us feel when it comes to prayer. I, I think most of us, when we hear the Lord's Prayer here and we think of this idea that, that we're going to learn about prayer, we, we are clueless and just feel completely intimidated. Like, at best, we know four things about prayer. We know, okay, I definitely start with dear God. I know I start dear God. Then I pray like I need something. So that's the second thing. I know I pray for I need something. Then I throw in a bless something because I know I got to bless something. And then I always pray in Jesus' name, amen. So that's what I'm going to do. Have you ever gotten in a prayer circle with people and you, you just feel like a four-year-old? Like when they're praying and you're just like, I, I have no clue. I, I don't know what to do. Well, we're going to explore this over the next few weeks in this series called Prayer Full. Is I want us to learn how to pray, how to pray effectively. Know that your prayers are heard. How can I know that God hears my prayer and he will actually answer my prayer? Does prayer even work? Is there, is there a formula? What does it look like? What I want you to know too, and I think that it should be, comforting to all of us is that even the disciples who followed Jesus struggled with prayer. Look back at Luke chapter 11 and and verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples, like these are 12 guys who've been following this guy around for like three years, watching him, watching him pray, watching him pray, watching him pray, and one of them finally gets up the guts and says, hey, Lord, what? Let's say this together, what? Teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Turn to somebody and say, I could use some help in this area. I, I could use some help in this area. Have you, ever, have you ever gotten in a prayer circle with, with a pro? If you've been in church, you know what I'm talking about. Like they divide up into circles and you're searching around like, I know that guy doesn't know how to pray. I'm getting over here. You're getting as far away from the pro as you can. Like, you know that, everybody knows that one person. You're like, I am not getting in the circle with them, and I'm certainly not getting on their left side because we always play, pray left to right. That's what, you know, Jesus only answers prayers left to right. And so I'm not getting on their left because then I'm going to pray after them, and that's, that's not going to happen. And you feel completely intimidated. I'll help you with that real quick, okay? If you get in that situation, let me give you some things you can do. And this will, this will help you. Just throw out some Christian cliches. Okay, so if it's your turn to pray and you don't know what to say, you just do something like this. You say, dear God, I just, I echo John's prayer and, um, <laughs> and I echo Sally's echo of the echo. And would you, you just throw in something like that? Or, or you can throw in um, Father God. That's another good one you can throw in. You ever heard people do that one? Like, so if you just lose your, you just like, uh, Father God, we just thank you, Father God, for helping us today, Father God. And if you would, Father God, we thank you, Father God, for the way that you are there for us, Father God. And I think he knows his name. I think he knows his name. But you just throw in all these. The worst thing is when you're in a prayer circle and people are praying 
Have you ever been in this one? And everybody's like praying and everybody in the circle is like, amen in their prayer. You know what I'm talking about? They're like, oh, yes. Oh, amen. Yes. And then you pray. And it's like crickets chirping. You think it's bad for you? Try being the pastor. I've done that. I'm like praying. I'm like, nobody's, nobody's amen in my prayers. All right, we're just going to pray longer till somebody amens my prayer. It's just, it, prayer is completely intimidating. And so then Im- imagine being a disciple and you're in a prayer circle with Jesus. No, that's not intimidating at all. Like, can you imagine them standing around in a prayer circle? They, they used to have this thing years ago. They don't really do it anymore where you would hold hands and if you uh, don't want to pray, you would squeeze the hand next to you. Anybody remember that? Okay, some of you some of your old school. Okay, yeah. If you didn't want to pray, you squeeze the hand. I just envision the disciples and Jesus going, all right, uh, John, you start. And John's like, squeeze. <laughs> Peter, squeeze. Andrew, squeeze. James, squeeze. Squeeze, squeeze. Bartholomew. All the way under Jesus where Jesus is like, squeeze. Really? Really, guys? None of you? I, that's, the disciples had to feel that way. But there was... There was something they saw in Jesus' prayers that was lacking in theirs. And they wanted it, and they desired it, and they got up the guts to to ask him about it. Do you ever wonder, like, we don't have the audible prayers of Jesus, but do you ever wonder, like, what what was it? Was it that Jesus prayed really loud? Because you ever heard somebody pray loud? Like, they feel like, the Father, Lord Jesus you know, that, you ever been around that person? Like they prayed so loud, they just drowned everything. So was it loud? Was it that he used a lot of these and thous? Was it used, he used old English when he prayed? Oh, Father, we beseech thee, O God, Almighty One. We've all heard somebody pray like that. That's amazing to pray like that. Did he throw A on the end of everything he prayed? You, you've been around that person? Oh, Father, I, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. You're so... When I, when I was, a, before I was a pastor, the guy who led me to the Lord, I'm not going to say his name because he ever listened to the podcast or got back to him, but he always prayed that way all the time. But he led me to Jesus, so I'm cool with that, man. I'm cool with that. But there's, there's just so many different things when it, when it comes to prayer that we wonder, is this how I'm supposed to pray? Like, um, I, have, I have a pastor friend of mine. He, he pray cries. Like, every time he prays, he cries. Like, every time. Every time. It's so, this is embarrassing. Maybe I shouldn't mention this, but while some pastor friends of mine and some other friends of mine, when we're around and this guy's praying, we, we count how long it's going to take him until he starts crying. Because he cries every time. We could be at Fuddruckers and he's praying over cheese fries. And he's like, Father God, we just thank you, Almighty Lord, for these cheese fries, Lord. The blessings that you've given and bestowed upon us, Lord. They're cheese fries, dude. They're cheese fries. Just keep it short and sweet. So is that how we're supposed to pray? Is that, is that what makes a, a prayer effective? Is that what makes a prayer great? Is this, is this what Jesus did? Because often we, we think that's how we're supposed to pray. We, we see people like that and we're like, man, did you hear that prayer? That was crazy good. I wish I could pray like that. I think it's just the opposite. 
I, I think the prayer that God honors is one that is offered in humility. I think the more humble the prayer, the more God is honored in the prayer. If you're taking notes, I'd like for you to write this down. A humble position is the right position. A humble position is the right position. Let's say that together. A humble position is the right position. A humble position is the right position. So the disciples, they, they saw a passion in Jesus. Yes, they saw him praying passionately. They, they saw him have this unbelievable connection with, with the Father. But I believe they also saw Jesus doing something that, that just kind of blew their mind, humbling himself. He was humbling himself. So think about that. Have you ever thought about why does Jesus need to pray? Like he's, he's God, right? So how, do, how, I mean, how, how does that work? Is it like, dear me, um, I come before me, and if you'll help me, how does that work? Paul tells us this in Philippians chapter 2. You can read that later, Philippians chapter 2. Paul, the apostle, tells us that he was God, Jesus was God, but that he humbled himself. And he, he left the throne of heaven and he became human, flesh and blood, just like you and I. He humbled himself. And Jesus, in this prayer and in his life, what he was doing is he was demonstrating humility by submitting himself and by, by becoming fully dependent on the Father. He was showing us that a humble position is the right position. If, if we want our, our prayers to be effective, we have to come humbly before God. But let's all just be honest. It's, it's tough to humble ourselves, is it not? It's tough to admit that you don't have it all together. It's tough to admit that I don't have the answers. It's tough to admit that, that I, I, can't, I can't fix it. I can't, I can't figure it out. This past week, my son Jeremiah and I were in New York for his um, senior trip. Uh, every, whenever my kids graduate high school, I tell them, I'll take you anywhere in the continental United States and wherever you want to go. And when he graduated, he said, I want to go to New York City, Dad. And I was like, really? That's like the most expensive place on the planet. Could we go? Like, Tahiti would be cheaper. Could we go? And he's like, no, I'll go to New York. So we went to New York, and one of the things that I made him do was go to church <laughs> while we were there. We were there for a week, and he's like, Dad, you made me go to church, but I went to the Brooklyn Tabernacle. I'll explain that here in a moment, but the Brooklyn Tabernacle and Jim Symbol, their pastor, has been instrumental in my life, tremendously instrumental. I read a book of his that changed my life, uh, changed me immensely as a human being and as a, as a child of God, fresh wind, fresh fire. If you read only one book, fresh wind, fresh fire. So when I was there on their, at their Tuesday night prayer gathering and we were sitting there, I was reflecting back and I was remembering my most humiliating, I want to say humble, but most humiliating moment ever in my life. It was 2011 and we, the church was meeting over in East Tulsa and we, were, we had just moved into the Green Country Event Center. We hadn't been there a couple of weeks and there was a, another church that owned the facility, and they met in the main auditorium, this massive auditorium, seats like 2,000 people. They were a smaller congregation, and their pastor became a very good friend of mine. But he offered us the banquet facility to use for our church to, so we could move out of a school. And, and it was a great move for us as, as a church. And so we moved in there, and they came to us just a couple of weeks in. They said, oh, we've, we did not look at our calendar correctly. Um, 
the 1st of October, we, your facility is not going to be open. You can't use the banquet room because the Mong's New Year's celebration is going to be taking place here on our property. So we had nowhere to meet. And I'm like, well, this, you said we could end. They're like, sorry, we just didn't know this. So we suddenly didn't have a place to meet. But my pastor friend who was meeting in the main auditorium, he said, hey, Brad, I'll help you out. I said, tell you what I'm going to do. Our, our service usually gets out at 11.15. You guys usually start at 11. We'll end early. We'll end at like 10 or 5 till. We'll get out of there, and then you guys can come in. And I was like, you'll do that? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, man, that sounds, thank you. Thank you. Was anybody there at that service? Okay, some of you were there. Okay, you know where I'm going with this. So, um, so we're standing there, and we, uh, we, we'd sent out mailers. It was our playlist series. We're going to do playlist here in, in September. It's our big anniversary celebration. So it was our big anniversary celebration. Sent out mailers, expecting tons and tons of guests. And, and so we show up that day, and when he said Mong celebration, I did not know he meant Mong celebration. There were thousands of of mongs all over the property, and they had this big, giant New Year's arch that we all had to walk through to get to where uh, we were going in the lobby. And I was immediately beginning to panic because I was like, nobody's going to be able to find where we're meeting in this massive Green Country Event Center. There's too many people. So we're standing in the lobby, and we're waiting to go into this main auditorium to switch services with this pastor. It's 10 till 11. He's not stopped. It's 5 till 11. He's not stopped. It's 11. He's not stopping. I don't know what I was thinking. He's a pastor. We don't stop. I'm going to be done in about five minutes, okay? So just trust me on that. So... It's 5 after 11. He's still going, people. It's 10 after 11. People are looking at me. Daniel's there. He's our worship leader at that time as well. And, and he's looking at me. What are we going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I can't just go in there and go, hey, yo, Craig, we're, you're out, buddy. Amen, and let's go. Finally, at about 10 after, they dismiss, and they come out of the auditorium. We've got to go into the auditorium. So we go into the auditorium. Well, they're a church of Christ. They don't use musical instruments. We do. This is important to the story because we go in and we have to do a sound check. But what happened in the midst of the chaos and all of the people is our guest services team could not figure out who was with our church, who was with their church. And so our people, instead of waiting out in the lobby, they all came into this 2,000-seat auditorium. A little over 100 of us gathered in an auditorium of over 2,000 people. The band gets up, starts to do a rehearsal And as they're beginning to rehearse, what do the people do who are sitting in the seats? Everybody's in the seat. They're like, oh, it's time for the service. And they stand up. They're starting to worship. They're raising their hands in worship. And in the middle of it, the band just stops. Hey, we need a little more in this amp right over here, right here. Just check that one more. Boom, 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 boom. People are like, what? I'm down right over here. And I'm like, Daniel's looking at me like, what do we do? I don't know. And so he starts to rehearse again, and people start worshiping again in the middle of the rehearsal. And finally, we're like, just go with it. Just, just go. Just, just go with it. And in the meantime, we're trying to put up these curtains because it's a 2,000-seat auditorium, and there's only a little over 150 people sitting there, and guests are there, and they're looking at it like, what is this mess? And I remember the song we were doing that week. It was the week we were doing a country song. If you're going through hell, keep on going. Don't slow down. Yes, Lord. I'm telling you, 
as a human being, I wanted to crawl under their pew. They, were, they had pews and we were sitting. And I remember if I could have just bolted and ran and just kept running all the way to the West Coast, I would have done it. I was so embarrassed. It was, just, it was such a humiliating moment for me. And I remember standing there in the midst of this chaos and people standing, people sitting, rehearsal, no rehearsal, microphones that weren't working and, and curtains trying to go up and going down and falling and leaning over that were supposed to be standing up. We had curtains that we put up and they were leaning because the hill and they were leaning and they were starting to fall. It was just a mess. And I remember in the middle of that, of standing there and God speaking to me. And, and I, I remember him just kind of saying to me this, is this your church or mine? Because I'm frustrated. God, we sent out mailers. We're, we're, we're this, and I was trying to do everything on my own, trying to do it 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 on my own. And God said, really, I, who, who changes lives, you or me, Brad? Who, who, who is making the impact here, you or me? Is, is it all on you or is it all on me? It's a really humbling moment for me. Because I, I, I prayed a lot. Prayed, fasted. But in that moment, God just kind of spoke to me and said, it's not about you, it's, it's, it's about me. And in that moment, I just remember him calling me to prayer. I remember in that moment that he's, really clearly said to me, Brad, you, you know how to pray in your personal life, and you, you really do well with that, and I'm really proud of you, how you pray in your personal life, but it's time for you to take it corporate. It's time for you to teach the people how to pray. So in that moment, I just committed to God that I would be a pastor that would leave the, leave the church and the congregation to be a people who prayed, and I kind of drove that stake in the ground in 2011 that we would be a people who prayed, and we'd be a people who depended on God, and people who looked to God, and God spoke to me and said, if you will do that, if you will humble yourself, Brad, if you will seek me, I will answer from heaven and I will do great things. But you've got to seek me first. I think that's the call that God has on for all of us. That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for me. Are you tired of trying to do it all on your own? Figuring it out all by yourself? Throwing up an occasional prayer here, an occasional prayer there? What, what if you went and you looked to God and you said, I'm going to get myself in a humble position? That's how I've been really approaching prayer since that day As I, every time I bow my head, it's, it's an act of submission. This is your church. These are your people. Have your way. Do what you want, Father. So that's why we pray. That's why prayer is intricate and weaved through everything we do as a church. You can't come to this church very long without knowing that we're people who pray. Here in a few minutes, at the end of the service, we're going to have people up front to pray. We don't take that lightly. It's huge. It's a major, major part of what we do. We have a prayer team that prays every day for 30 days for every need that comes across. Every Wednesday night, we gather for prayer and we pray. We gather before the service every uh, Sunday morning in my office. A small group of people gather around me to pray for me. The staff on their knees, in prayer, every week, praying for you. Me, every day, praying for you. We believe in the power of prayer, that a humble position is the right position. So since that day, we've been committed to becoming a praying church. Now, I might be naive, 
Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. I think that's what the world wants. I think it's what the world desires. And I think it's proven itself out this week in the tragedies, the unbelievable things that have played out before our eyes. Jeremiah and I were at the 9-11 Museum. Very overwhelming experience. But the one thing I remember from 9-11, the one thing I saw this week, and the one thing I see every time tragedy strikes in our nation, what, what do we do? What do we gravitate towards as a people? Prayer. Every time. Every time. Presidents, leaders, believers, non-believers alike. Pray. We got to pray. And I just am naive enough to think that if we as a church and we as a people would humble ourselves and become a people of prayer and we would be a beacon of light of prayer in this community, that the community, those who don't know Jesus and those who are seeking him would be drawn to him because of prayer, because of the opportunity. When we were in New York this week, I, we stayed at an Airbnb. Anybody know what Airbnb is? Okay, a lot of you don't. Okay. Airbnb is air bed and breakfast. You can now go, instead of staying at a hotel, you can stay at somebody's house. You can rent their house out. You can rent their apartment out. Or you can go and actually stay with them. So when we were in New York, we actually rented out an Airbnb. It was an apartment, and they had four apartments. And uh, there was a single mom that lived in one of them, and then she rented out the others to people to come and stay. So there were people uh, from all over the world staying in these other apartments, uh, these rooms. And so we stayed there. And every morning... She would make coffee for us, and she didn't know Jesus. And so we began a conversation every morning. It was one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. I stood on the, on the subway in New York City, and it was packed, packed with hundreds of people, all different nationalities, different languages, different people groups. And as only I could do in the middle of this is I thought, how am I going to reach all these people? How, am I, how are these people going to know your name? I don't even speak their language. There's too many people. And the next morning I was sitting down at the table with Anna. She's from Romania. She's a single mom. And God just said, this is how you change the world. One person at a time. So I began to speak with Anna, and she began to be intrigued with what I do for a living. She kept calling me a priest. <laughs> you guys imagine me being called a priest? <laughs> and I kept trying to tell her I'm a pastor, I'm a minister, and she kept coming back to priest, so finally I just went with it. Yes, yes, I'm a priest. As a priest. So she would ask me questions. You know, as, as a priest, do you, do you meditate? What does, and so she began to ask me about meditation. And she told me how she meditated, and she was fascinated by prayer, fascinated by what prayer was. And so I began to talk to her about the prayer. Prayer is this idea that meditation, what meditation is, is meditation, I think, is good because when you meditate, you are, you're calming yourself, and you're, you're stopping, and you're processing things, and your emotions, and, and you get to a place where you're very, very calm. But the problem with meditation is it's all dependent on you. It's all on you, 100% on you. You want to fix your problem? It's all on you. So what I told her was, I said, what, what prayer is, prayer is bringing God into meditation. And that is done 
by humbling myself. So I began to tell her how I, I humble myself. I, so I, I humble myself, and, I, and, and in faith, I believe that I, I can get to that same place you get, but what I do is I invite God into that conversation, and I began to tell him my problems. I began to tell him my situation. I began to tell him my struggles, I, and I begin to try to have this conversation with him, and she's fascinated by how this all works and doesn't even understand prayer and how and it was just so perplexing to her. And so I began to tell her, and I could tell she was really leaning in. And it just struck me, this is what the world wants. This is what the world desires. They want to connect with God. They want to know that they can speak to God. They want to know that God knows their name. They want to know that they can commune with God, that their father loves them, their father cares about them. I think one of the biggest problems we have with prayer is found in the very first word in verse 2, Father. Father, may your name be kept holy. So I think Father is a really polarizing word. You, we all have various reactions to that. And I think our, our view of our Heavenly Father is tainted by our view of our worldly father. And for some of you, your worldly father wasn't kind to you. He was abusive or maybe he was distant or maybe he mistreated you. Maybe he was just absent. He just wasn't, just wasn't there. And, and so then we take the image of our earthly father and we put it onto our heavenly father, that he's going to do the same. He's, he's not going to be there for me. He's, he's, he doesn't really love me. I never heard I love you from my earthly father. There's no way my heavenly father will. He's just, he's a taskmaster. So everything you think about your earthly father, you put onto your, your heavenly father. But that's not who he is because the very first part, it tells us that he is holy. Even if you had a great earthly father, he's still flawed. You can't put your earthly father in a position of holiness because you're setting him up to fail. No earthly father can achieve that, only your heavenly father. And if he's a, a holy father, that means that he is perfect in every way, which means that he is a good, good father, which means that he loves me, which means that the song that we sang is true. He loves me. He's my father, and because of the cross and what Christ did, Jesus called him father, and now I enter into that. I am also a son of God. You are a daughter of God because of what Jesus did through the cross. And now I can call him father, and that means that when I pray to him, he loves me. He does listen to me. He does hear me. Listen, when we were in New York City, and we were walking down the street, and, and, and my son, Jeremiah, is, is walking right next to me. Do you think he's talking with me? He's 18 years old, graduated high school. Do you think he's talking to me? What do you think he's doing? He's on his phone, texting all of his buddies back in Oklahoma. Like, dude, I'm standing right here. We're walking down the street. I'm looking at everything. And he's just texting away, just texting. I'm like, buddy, I'm right here, man. And, and I think our heavenly father is the same way. We get so busy, we get so caught up, and he's walking right next to us. And he's like, I want to talk with you. I want to commune with you. I want to help you. I can tell you this week that my son and I, we sat down and we had conversations that are not your, you to be privy to, but we had conversations about his future and just about situations he was dealing with. And, and it was just such a blessing to me as a father to sit down with my son and for him to open his heart to me and say, what do you think, dad? And, and I'm trying to help him and talk him through that. It's a, such a blessing as a dad. That's your heavenly father. 
That's who he is. That's the way he wants you to commune with him. Like he's right there and he says, I want to talk with you. I want to help you. And he loves doing it. He loves communing with us. He loves speaking to us. But it begins in a position of humility. I want us to look at that prayer as I'm going to wrap up here as we look at this prayer. Because I think humility is the essence of the Lord's prayer. This is not a formula. We try to make a formula out of it, but it's not a formula. But it's about coming humbly before God. Let me give you an example. This is, when you look at this prayer, I want you to begin to look at this prayer through the eyes of humility. Jesus says this in verse 2. This is how you should pray. Right there, humility. This is how you should pray. In other words, come before God and just say, I, I don't know how to pray. I, I don't know. 2011, when that was all going down at the Green Country Event Center, that's what I said to God. I, I don't know how to pray. And he led me to Brooklyn Tabernacle. And I remember standing at Brooklyn Tabernacle just a couple weeks later through a crazy miracle of God and getting there to that place. And we were there for a prayer conference. And I remember standing there saying, I need you to show me how to pray. I know how to pray personally, but I don't know how to lead people in corporate prayer. I need you to teach me. And that's been my prayer ever since. Anybody who's been around me for any length of time, you hear me pray that every once in a while. I'll say that a lot. God, teach us how to pray. Teach me how to pray. We need to know how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Humility. I don't know how to pray. Will you teach me? Teach me how to pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. I'm not in charge. You are. You're in charge. May your kingdom come soon. So many of our prayers are about building our own kingdom. But humility says, I'm going to set my kingdom aside and I'm going to be about building your kingdom. What can I do for you to help you to build that kingdom? Give us, here's the one. We usually land right in the middle of the prayer. This is usually where we actually start in the middle of the prayer. This is the one we're most familiar with. Give us each day the food we need. God wants to provide for you, but it comes in a position of humility of saying, I didn't earn this paycheck. God, you provided everything I have. The car that you all drove in with today, when you get in your car and you drive away today, you should sit in that car and what you should say when you begin to drive away is, I didn't earn this. I didn't buy this. This isn't mine. God provided it. He made a way for it, humbling myself to say, you provide everything I need and forgive us our sins. This is the hardest one for all of us. I remember about a year ago, God speaking to me about this. It was really humbling when he said to me, Brad, when's the last time you confessed your sin to me? What are you talking about? When's the last time you talked to me about the sin in your life? What sin? Come on, Brad. Everybody sins. Everybody trips up. It's been a long time since you talked to me. I realize it's been a really long time since I'd confessed my sin to him. Humility, humbling myself. I need a savior. Forgive those who sin against us. You cannot forgive others without humility. Don't let us yield to temptation. And God, I'm not strong enough. <laughs> the weight of what is coming down on me, I'm gonna give in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I, I, it's just admitting before God, I'm not strong enough. I'm not man enough. I'm not woman enough. I can't, I can't handle this on my own. You're going to have to do something. It's, it's about coming humbly before God and saying, I'm weak. I admit it. I'm weak. I, 
I'm weak. I, I, I can't do anything about this. I need, I need you to help. I need you to intervene. I need you. I'd like for us to just say this prayer together. Can we just do this together? This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Would you just bow your heads? I want you to just think through that prayer. What area do you need God to speak to you in? What area do you need to humble yourself before him? Maybe the place for you right now is just, I just need to learn how to pray. I'm not even praying, Brad. I just need to pray. I just need God to teach me how to pray. I need prayer to become a regular part of my life. Maybe that's the part. I humble myself, God, before you right now. Just tell him, I humble myself before you. God, teach me how to pray. I want to be a man of prayer. I want to be a woman of prayer. Maybe you're just all jacked up and you're messed up over the father part. It's hard for you to submit to him. Can you first forgive your earthly father and then turn to your heavenly father and say, I know that you're perfect. I know that you're holy and I put my trust in you. Maybe you need to come humbly before him and say, man, I've been building my own kingdom. I haven't been about to be building your kingdom. It's been about me. Maybe there's some unconfessed sin. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you today to make that the prayer of your life. Father, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I humble myself, God, right now. If you're not a follower of Jesus, make this your prayer right now. I, I humble myself. I'm, I'm messed up. I, I've hurt a lot of people. I've hurt myself. And, and God, would you forgive me? Take my sin away. And here's what happens. When you make that your prayer, God says, I forgive your sins. I make you new. You are a child of God. You've gone from death to life. You've gone to full restoration. The spirit of the living God enters into you. You have new life. You have eternal life that begins now. Life on this earth and beyond into the life to come. You are a child of God when you turn from your sin and you turn to him. Maybe there's some people you need to forgive. Here in a moment, we're going to receive communion, and I want all of us to think through these prayers. Is Where do I need to humble myself before God? And maybe there's a temptation that you're about to give into. Can you humble yourself right now and say, I'm weak? Would you be strong? Father, we commit these things to you. We humble ourselves and ask that you would help us in Jesus' name. Amen.